I want you to turn your Bible to the book of 2 Corinthians. It's easy to find. Just look for 1 Corinthians. You're almost there. And if you're new to the Bible, just turn to the table of contents. Most folks that have been in the church for 50 years still have to do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me give you in brevity why there is a first and second letter to the church at Corinth. Because this is primary to what I need to share with you today. First of all, in the church at Corinth, like all churches, there was some mess going on. Now, if you think that you are in a church where there is no mess going on, I want you to send me the name of that church, and I will prove to you you're wrong. There's always mess. If you have people, you have problems. That's why for many, many years, stand up, beautiful wife of mine, and say hello to all these people. And she, she, she used to have a saying, she doesn't say it so much anymore, but she used to say, if we could just do this without people, right? Because when you got people, you got problems. When you have people, you have peril. When you have people, you will undergo persecution from the very people you're sitting next to in the pew. It's, it, is, it is undeniable that where you have people, you have pressure, you have problems, you have persecution, you have peril, you have trouble, you have trial, and you have tribulation. Here's why. God did not call us to be perfect. He did call us to be holy. And there's a difference. And if you think it's always somebody else in the church that's making the mess, then you have to understand Jesus says it's you. It's always you. It's never somebody else. God gives us no place in the 1,166 pages of your Bible for you to blame somebody else. Right? Even that person that's the most difficult to you, God says make them your project. Don't stay away from them. Don't talk ugly about them. Make them your project. Because you are the one that's full of light. You are the one that's full of joy. You are the one that's full of peace. You are the one that is about reconciliation. So Paul wrote that first letter and he said, okay, this is going on, it needs fixed. This is going on, it needs fixed. And Paul said there are two people that need fixed. The offender and those in leadership that did not have the gospel gumption to correct them. I told you. This is not... This is change me, God. Fix me, God. Because it's not the deacon's old song you say, not the deacon, not the elder, not the preacher, oh Lord. It's me standing in the need of prayer. Me. Everybody say, me. So Paul said, I want these things fixed. And he said that 
to the mature leaders of the church. You will remember that Eli had two sons. One of them was Hophni, the other was Phinehas. They both got into rebellion. And God said to Eli, I want you to deal with those boys. And Eli refused. When leadership refuses to bring correction when there's error, it is not those in error that are held responsible, it is the leadership. And if you join in with negativity, you are guilty. If you let it be heard in your presence, you are guilty. And I'm not just talking about leadership, about somebody that's got a title. Because most of the time it's those with a title that are the poorest in leadership. Okay, I'm just, I'm restraining myself right now. There's a whole lot I'd like to say. I'll say it in private. Here is the issue. Paul says, there's mess. Shout, there's always mess. God said, the wheat and the tares grow up together. Wait until the last day. Get this branded on your spirit. The presence of God departed means judgment is delayed. What does that mean? That means that it's all under the surface. It's all under the surface and folks say, where's God? Something feels different. Something's not right. There's sin. It's quiet. Don't tell anybody. There's sin in believers' lives that must be dealt with. Otherwise, it is a cankerous cancer that will destroy us all. It is insidious and it is incisive. I get ahead of myself. Therefore, we have roadblocks to revival. The Spirit of God departed means judgment is delayed. So the church continues to flip the long locks of its Samsonite hair, lay it in the luscious lap of Delilah, shake itself, and boy, didn't we have a great service. Because your Bible says, Samson knew not that the Spirit of God had already departed. You can go on with your singing. You can go on with your churchianity. You can even pray. You can even read the Word and be deceived and damned. There aren't two preachers in America brave enough to tell you this because they're all about counting noses. And I'm gonna to prove to you today that it is, it is absolutely possible and probable to lose numbers and 
gain anointing, purpose, and power. God never said this thing was about numbers, and when they got about numbers, God rebuked them. Ask any modern preacher, the first question he has asked every time he encounters a believer or another preacher is, how many you got coming? We have built everything on the pretense of a crowd equals anointing. I will remind you there were only 120 in the upper room, but they were the right 120. They were not perfect, but when they had, and, 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 but just before that, Jesus only had 12, and one of them was a rebellious reprobate. Where does that leave us? Judas walked with Jesus every day. He saw the miracles. He saw the manifestations. He watched the dead be raised to life again. But when the pressure got on, he sold out. Does your conversation change based on who's at your house? Okay, I'm going to get into it. So 2 Corinthians, there's a problem. 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, Paul is bringing his word to them after he has given them the instruction of what to do to get back on track. Somebody shout back on track. God's plan is always for all of us to get back on track. So here we are. 2 Corinthians 2.8, therefore I ask you to confirm your love toward him. There were those taken in this instance that he's referring to here in sexual sin. The sexual part has nothing to do with anything. Because if you've committed one, you've committed them all. Those are Jesus' words. Sin is sin. And it's sin by any other name. You may call it your mistake. God calls it sin. We say we're sick. God says you're sinful. Sin is your enemy. Brand on the forehead of every sin murderer. Sins of laziness. Sins of, I don't have to. I'm not going to. Sin. Sins with our tongue. Sin with our ears. Sin with our association. You're looking at me like I'm talking to you. If the shoe fit, wear it. This is what the church needs more of, not less of. Somebody's got to mature. Somebody's got to grow up into the full stature of the image of God. It doesn't mean you will be perfect. You will make those errors. Fix them. Just fix it. 
The reason we refuse to fix it is because we refuse to acknowledge it. You can't fix what you ignore. I'm not talking about in somebody else. I'm talking about every one of us. Stop looking at somebody else. That's a sin. God's not talking to anybody else. He's talking to you. Have I covered everybody? Black ones, white ones, Asian ones, Latino, white men, women, boys, girls, leaders, those that got born again last Sunday. Have I covered everybody? Deacons, elders, leaders, pastors. Have I covered everyone? You need to once and forever for all take a branding iron and as I said, brand murderer on every sin. Convict it, condemn it, kill it. I don't expect you to applaud. Condemn it. Convict it. Kill it. Because if you don't, it will not only kill you, but every single person you have influence over. And you'll look around at some point in the future, having repented, and look back and see all the people that died because of your influence. Because you didn't stop it when it should be stopped. You didn't pray it out when it should have been prayed out. You didn't rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And as long as I'm the pastor of this church, we're going to brand murderer on sin. We're going to talk about it. We're going to expose it. We're going to repent of it. We're going to get right, and then we're going to get restored so we can move on and look behind us and say, well, we conquered that one. I'm trying to get to my text. So Paul says in, sec in his second letter, so I'm asking you to confirm your love toward him. So they've written back to Paul, and they said, we've restored this one. That you told us to cast out. Because that's what you have to do with a scorner. Cast them out. In modern technology, unlike them. Why are you still mourning over Saul? Paul talked about this body of sin. Most people have no revelation of that. They don't study. What he was talking about is one of the major forms of punishment in Jesus' day in Paul's day, was that when someone was convicted of a crime, let's say you killed someone, you were required to strap the dead body 
on your living, breathing body and carry it around until the death in it overcame the life in you. That's what Paul called this body of death, sin. I don't know why we think that after we have accepted Christ, sin loses its enticement and yielded to its power. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. We say that of people that have never accepted Christ. That's not who it was written to. It was written to the church, to the elect of God, the elect of God who sins death. This is serious business. Why do you think the adversary has taken the word sin out of our churches? Where are songs like, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain, I count but loss, and I pour contempt on all my pride. Pride keeps you from repenting. Pride keeps you in sin. It is not only sinful to be prideful, pride Binds you in the chains of rebellion, which is the sin of witchcraft. Just keep courting someone that the signs of rebellion are all over them. You're dealing in witchcraft. You're dealing in wizardry, on social media. I'll like that. Even after I beg people, will you stop? Don't stop. Like, like, like. And you share in their rebellion. Well, I'm trying to win them. No, you're not. You're afraid you're going to lose their friendship. They mean more to you than your walk with Christ. You're more concerned about what they think than what he thinks. You're in rebellion. It's quiet. You used to get this way in churches I grew up in. Are you listening? So Paul says, look, I want you to make sure you love that person. Now you think that means excuse. That's not what love means. He had rebuked them because they refused to confront what was going on. That's how preachers, leaders get blood on their hands. Refused. Well, I don't want to be the one to do it. I'm in leadership over them, but I don't want to be the one to do it. Let's have somebody else do that. And then I get to stay their friend. You're a rebel and full of hell. You're prideful and rebellious. 
which is witchcraft. Why? Because you're working witchery over those people. You know what's wrong, but you're not mature enough to in love deal with it. Pass it off to somebody else because I got to stay friends. What are we doing? Where's the gospel of Christ? Where's transformation? Where is cast out the scorner? Where is 2 Timothy? In the last days, perilous times will come. Everybody's screaming, oh, it's the last days. Well, where are the perilous times? Again, he's talking about the church. Men in the church will become lovers of themselves. Covetous, boasters, proud, heady, high-minded. Watch, watch, watch. Criticizers of those who are good. Isn't this good? This is a mature believers class. So he says to them, look, if you forgave them, if you loved them, and you took them through the process, and you forgave them, he said, if you do that, Satan will not take advantage of us. Of us. So then he says, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. The church will never fall, get me, because of the pecking woodpeckers outside. And that's what they are. They are woodpeckers. The church will never fall because of the woodpeckers without, but rather because of the termites within. I'm glad I got the comfortable seats in for you for this one. Amen. So I offer this as a preface to my message. We have an immeasurably important instruction in 2 Corinthians 2. In this chapter, Paul is giving direction to the church regarding a member who is taken in sin. Those involved, watch me, were number one, censured. You're not going to ush and be in sin. You're not going to deek and be in sin. You're not going to serve children and be in sin. You're not going to be on this platform and be in sin. Okay, three people agree. You're just not going to. You say, well, that's rude, that's mean. No, what's rude and mean is to leave your cancer unchecked and not give you the, the chemotherapy and the radiation treatment that you need to go through to get it fixed before you infect others around you. You with me? You got me? They were censured. There are a whole lot of preachers that need to sit down. I don't say that cruelly. 
If I ever get into sexual sin, I hope there are men and women of God enough to love me enough to put me in a room, call it out, censure me, and discipline me. Lest I spew that witchcraft and witchery upon every person listening to me. We have an immeasurable responsibility. Enormous responsibility. You want to be a leader? Lead. He says, giving direction to the church about this person taken in sin. Those involved were censured and disciplined. Where's that in the church? I'm, I'm asking you a question. I'm an audience participation preacher. Where is that? Where is it? There's no discipline because all we're about is counting noses. We don't want to offend anyone. So we disobey God, obey ourselves, and become friends of the world and enemies of Christ. If you approve it, you participate in it. If the head usher knows that somebody is in sin, their responsibility is to deal with it. If you know someone's in sin in the dormitories, someone's in rebellion to leadership, and you court them, their blood's on your hands. You're operating in wizardry. Shirking your own responsibility and disobeying God's command. You say this is harsh. This is life-saving. No, this is eternity-saving. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Period. Watch this. Oh, I got to hurry. They were censured. They were disciplined which was received by the guilty participants. They received correction. They didn't puff up like a toad. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. We'll go somewhere else and do nothing. Stop corrupting what you're around. Well, I'll participate in this, but I'm not doing that. The problem is, we think, we think sin is being drunk, sometimes committing adultery. It depends on what kind of sex act it was. Because we had a president that redefined what adultery was. For all of our children who believe that now. 
Can anybody tell from today, I'm not just trying to get a crowd. I've had crowds, believe me. I love you. I love you, and this stuff has to stop. They received the discipline to the point that it affected change and heartfelt repentance. Not just, well, I'll just keep it quiet and move on. No, there's some of y'all need to come before a man or woman of God and say, out your mouth, I have sinned. I have sinned. You need to come before God and say, I have sinned. Those are the words to your deliverance. You want the presence of God, the power of God, the glory of God to sweep into your life? Repentance, this is not a slogan. I'm going to lead this church in revival like never before. And repentance is the language of revival. Not your shout, not your clap, not your run. Repentance. I said what I shouldn't have said. I went where I shouldn't have went. I, 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 I showed myself in front of a bunch of students at Valor Christian College, and I'm supposed to be in leadership. Now they think it's okay to act like I act. And when they do, it won't be me correcting them. I'll throw them a party. Are we here? Everybody, everybody, look at your neighbor right now. Look at him and say, he's talking about me. He's not talking about you. He's talking to me. Watch this. Here it is. The clear objective of apostolic correction, which is what I'm doing right now. The clear objective of apostolic correction and any form of church discipline always proceeds from a heart of love for the person and hatred for the sin which is the seed of death. Don't correct your kids. Just leave them alone. And you'll have to go get them from juvie. I don't care how much your house costs. Don't correct your kids. Just think they're the little angels that you portray to everyone they are. And then find them in homosexuality. Correction is love. When are we going to get that? I know when I hire a new person on our team here, what they're made of. The first time I correct them, the first time. And I've never seen it change. They make excuses. They're always going to make excuses. Might as well cut and run right now. They deny, cover up. You might as well just stop. 
Because in the modern church culture, they have never been trained how to accept discipline. They see discipline, correction, as an offense. So they are offended. Then they go share their offense with everybody else. In their attitude, in their actions, in their words. Watch this. The church discipline always must proceed from a heart of love. What's the first thing he says? I want to confirm your love for that person. Watch. Its goal is always to achieve repentance. But two things are necessary. Number one, authority in Christ enough to correct. Secondly, enough of God in that person to desire to please him above all else. Repent openly, get right, and be restored. That's what happened. Here's the process. Sin, receive correction, discipline, accept it, repent, truly and be restored we want restored because we said i'm sorry and we don't want anybody to know anything dear god but i have to remind you he that sins in secret why don't we preach passages like this anymore be sure absolute your sin will track you down and find you out. It's why suddenly people disappear. Suddenly people disconnect. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I wanna invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.